Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is October 15th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over my preview of the game between the Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, to get right into it, the Dolphins are 1-4. They've lost four straight, and they will be facing off again. This game is in London against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are 0-5 this Sunday. Now, I was scrolling through Twitter last week, and I saw someone say that uh, the NFL electing to send the Jaguars and the Dolphins to London should be considered an act of war, which I thought was pretty funny. Hopefully, you guys don't get mad at that. You know, we can all have a laugh at the team. It hasn't been in a good state. Hopefully, things turn around this week. But with that in mind, the Dolphins and the Jaguars are both right now considered to be among the worst teams in the league currently. The NFL's latest power rankings has the Dolphins at the 28th spot and has the Jacksonville Jaguars all the way at number 32. Now, this game may feature the return of quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. Tua was placed on IR earlier in the season after sustaining a rib injury. Now, rib injuries are pretty tough to deal with, so it's possible that Tua is still experiencing some sort of lingering pain. So, with that in mind, there's a chance maybe he wears a flak jacket, you know, maybe he's still dealing with some of that pain, but there could be something there that's added for some protection. So, Given that he was injured so early on in the season, again, this was in the week two matchup, the only game that we could really reflect back on from this season was week one against the Patriots. So as a little refresher about that game, Tua was 16 for 27. He had 202 yards, one touchdown pass, one rushing touchdown, and one interception. Tua was seventh that week in intended air yards. So again, that means he was throwing the ball far, which is good in the eyes of many people. However, you guys may remember this, his completed air yards were in the bottom 10, meaning he wasn't completing the deep passes, which is not a good thing. I, I remember after that week one game, everyone was saying, okay, Matt Jones only throws checkdown passes. Well, that was true. He was only throwing the checkdown passes. But in the same way, you can make the argument, well, Tua was only completing his checkdown passes, even though he was throwing deeper passes. So, you know, that argument was kind of a mess after week one. So in that game, Tua was only three for 12 on passes that travel beyond 10 yards down the line of scrimmage. So Tua will be taking over for Jacoby Brissett, who was in the bottom five in both attempted air yards and completed air yards. So Brissett wasn't extending the field at all, and he wasn't even really trying to. The Dolphins are currently 10th in the NFL in pass attempts, but they are 30th in the NFL in passing yards, so that's brutal. With that in mind, the Dolphins are last in the NFL in yards per pass attempt, but the Jaguars defense has surrendered the most net yards per pass attempt. So one side here is going to have to give in this game. The Dolphins rushing game will be led by potentially Miles Gaskin, hopefully I'm not necessarily sure. Gaskin currently leads the Dolphins in carries with 34 on the season, but I think I speak for many people when I say that 36% of the rushing attempts isn't really what we were expecting in terms of his usage. Despite being in a bit of a timeshare here with Malcolm Brown and Savon Ahmed, Gaskin has been by far the most productive of the running backs. His 4.9 yards per carry is the best in that group, ahead of Malcolm Brown's 3.6, then Savon Ahmed, who has a pretty disappointing 1.9 yards per carry. Gaskin is second on the team in receptions as well. His 22 catches trail only Jalen 
Jalen Waddle. So while we're mentioning Jalen Waddle, we'll switch over to him. He currently leads the Dolphins in receptions so far this season, but not only that, he has the second most catches among all rookies, and he's trailing only Najee Harris, again, his former teammate. Uh, Waddle has 27 catches on the season. Najee Harris has 28. Now, despite that high reception total, I've been mentioning this all season, his usage has been pretty bad. He is in the bottom five in the NFL in yards per reception among all wide receivers. His average depth of target is only 4.3 yards. That is the second shortest depth per target in all of football behind only other rookie Rondale Moore. So this game could be beneficial for Waddle. The Jaguars have the third most missed tackles in football and are in the bottom 10 of yards after the catch allowed. So even if this isn't the game where the Dolphins elect to extend the field with Jalen Waddle and they continue to use him in the short game, he might still be able to make things work in this game. Now, unfortunately, it seems like every other receiver now for the Dolphins has caught the injury bug. Devontae Parker, again, did not practice dealing with an injury after missing last week's game. On top of that, Preston Williams had 55 yards on the opening drive, but he did not practice on Thursday with a groin injury. You guys may remember Will Fuller placed on IR earlier with a finger injury, and with all the injuries that the Dolphins have had last week, they elected to activate Isaiah Ford, who could be active again this week again if Parker or Williams can't go. Now, if neither of those guys can go, that could lead to Kirk Merritt, who I'm very hopeful for, but for whatever reason, the Dolphins seem reluctant to call Merrick up, so I wouldn't be surprised if you see somebody else, uh, you know, get the opportunity instead of him. Now, tight end Mike Kosicki continues to kind of be cruising along in terms of his performance. He flashes that big play potential, but hasn't really produced anywhere near the level where we could say, yeah, this guy is an elite tight end. He is still in the top 10 in tight ends in receiving yards, but his inconsistency really makes it hard to suggest that he will have a breakout game on any given Sunday. Again, the talent is there. It's just hard to know when it's going to come necessarily. Now, if again, for whatever reason, uh, Preston Williams, Devontae Parker both can't go, I would expect that means more volume for Albert Wilson, who has been disappointing all season. And then again, Isaiah Ford, who only had one catch last week. Now, the major headline, if you guys remember from last week's game, was that the offensive line had their best performance so far uh, of the season. And in large part, that was because the Dolphins elected to move Austin Jackson from the tackle position to the guard, have Liam Eichenberg taking over at left tackle. Now, Jackson wasn't terrific by any means, but it appears that moving him over to the guard position was enough to ease some of that responsibility and to just keep this unit afloat. So it seems likely to me that the unit will look the same again this week, but Jackson still needs to improve if he wants to show that he is the answer at this guard spot long term. But for right now, it seems like, again, keeping this unit afloat is as much as a team could ask for. As for Jesse Davis, he continues to be a liability. Not really sure what is left to be said there. Now, as we move over to the Dolphins' defensive side of the ball, you guys may remember the unit defensively was elite last year, but they have been far from elite this season. Despite the star power and having that, you know, Brian Flores defensive scheme, this has statistically been one of the worst defenses in the NFL. The Dolphins' defense currently is 
is 30th in the NFL in points per game allowed with 30.8. They are 30th in the NFL in passing yards allowed. They have surrendered the most passes of 20 plus yards, and that's not good considering the strength of the team was supposed to be the secondary. In terms of stopping the rushing game, they are 24th in the NFL in rushing yards allowed, and they have allowed the second most rushes of 20 plus yards. Despite the Dolphins' defenses sending these high rates of blitzes, they are not really doing good in terms of getting pressure there. They're in the bottom 10 in the NFL in sacks and haven't been getting consistent pressure by any means. It just seems like this defense is lacking the fire that it had last year. Now, to get into some of the positives, it seems like rookie Jalen Phillips is starting to find a nice little rhythm here. Last week, we saw Jalen Phillips get his first full sack of the season, and then in the week before that, he had half a sack, and it just seems to be that he's one of the biggest sources of pressure on this team, of course, alongside Emmanuel Ogba. Another positive here is a rookie, Javon Holland, is having a pretty good start to the season. Per Pro Football Focus, Holland is first in the NFL among all safeties with 100 snaps in receptions allowed. He has only allowed one on the season. That is not a statistic among all rookies. That is a statistic among all safeties in the NFL. Now, again, with some context here, he plays generally pretty far from the play, but again, in a season with so many negatives, just let us have something nice to hear about, especially when the secondary has been one of the weaker points of the team. To stay with the secondary here, it has been far from great in the secondary, but last week's defeating performance may be skewing things a little bit because Xavier Howard has given up the most receiving yards on the team currently and the 10th most in all of the NFL. His 56% completion percentage uh, when he's targeted is still good to see, but Howard has not been that lockdown corner that we're accustomed to seeing. Byron Jones also 261 yards allowed. That is in the bottom 20 of all quarterbacks in the NFL, so also not good to see. Both corners have done a good job at limiting yards after the catch, though, especially Byron Jones, who has not had a single missed tackle so far this season. To stay with the secondary, nickel cornerback Justin Coleman has taken on the embodiment of just burnt toast right now. He has been exposed heavily so far this season. He has given up catches on 12 of his 13 targets this season, and that is per pro football reference. Brandon Jones, a safety, has also not been great in coverage. He's given up catches on six of his seven targets, but in his instance, he has looked good coming off of the edge and coming through the middle on blitzes, so there is that. Now, linebacker Jerome Baker has given up 79% of completions when targeted, which is not good to hear. And last week, he really struggled in coverage against Leonard Fournette or whatever tight end that he was tasked with guarding. He is still all over the field, though, this season. He leads the team in both solo tackles and combined tackles. But there is definitely something left to be desired here from Baker, who many people were expecting to be kind of at least somewhat close to elite this season. Now, to move over here to the Jacksonville Jaguars, they are led offensively by Trevor Lawrence. Now, Lawrence is not having a great rookie season by any means, but in his defense, he is looking a lot better recently than he was at the beginning of the season, and that is because Lawrence started the season seven interceptions in the first three games. It was clear that Lawrence was just trying to do too much. His 3.6 yards per attempt in week two against the Broncos was just absolutely horrendous. Now, however, though, over the last two weeks, he's played a lot more conservative, a lot more within himself, and while he doesn't have the touchdowns necessarily to show for it, the turnovers have gone down. Over the last two games, he's 40 for 57, 477 passing yards combined.
combined over those two games and three total touchdowns with only one interception. So again, some improvement there from Trevor Lawrence. Probably one of the more frustrating parts of this for all of Jaguars fans has been the coaching decisions and there's no better way to look at it uh, than by looking at the running back position and at James Robinson. Robinson was absolutely phenomenal in his rookie year, yet the Jaguars elected to draft another running back in the first round. Now, when Travis Etienne went down with an injury, it seemed all but given that Robinson would once again return to dominating the touches, but that was not the case at all. Over the first two weeks, Robinson combined for only 16 carries. Now, over the last three weeks, though, it's been a different story. It seems like something finally clicked here, and Robinson is getting the carries and just looks absolutely magnificent. Last week, he had 18 carries for 149 yards, an average of 8.9 yards per carry. Right now, his 5.8 yards per carry is the third most among running backs so far this season. Now, despite the lack of volume early on, he is third in the NFL of rushes of 20 plus yards. And again, that is not good to hear if you consider Miami has given up the second most carries of 20 plus yards this season. Now, to go to the receivers here for Jacksonville a little bit, they lost their primary receiver, DJ Chark, to a nasty ankle fracture, which led to some of these other guys having to have more elevated roles. You have longtime veteran here, Marvin Jones, who a lot of Dolphin fans wanted uh, wanted for the team to go after in free agency. Right now, he currently leads the Jaguars in receptions and also in targets. He only has 243 yards on the season, though. Dynamic gadget player LaVisca Chenault Jr. leads the Jaguars in receiving yards with two. 252, and he's one of those guys that he's just capable of having a breakout game, it seems like, at any moment. Another little side note here, LaVisca Chenault, longtime Dolphin fan, especially as a kid. So again, I can't root for him this week, but I will say throughout his career, I have been rooting for him a little bit more just because of that fact. Uh, DJ Chark's injury led to more opportunities for longtime speedster Tavon Austin. Austin had five catches last week for 50, uh, 54 yards, and he hasn't had the most successful career by any means, but Again, a guy with a just absolutely dynamic amount of wheels. You have to take uh, consideration whenever he is on the field. And with the Dolphins kind of being prone to the big play, keep your eye here on Tavon Austin. Now, despite the early narratives that the offensive line for Trevor Lawrence was getting him killed or was putting him in a bad situation, that doesn't necessarily seem to be the case recently. The offensive line, to me, looks fine. Lawrence has had a ton of time to throw, it seems like. Lawrence is 2.9 seconds of average time to throw second longest in all of the NFL and his pressure rate right now is the eighth lowest among all starters so you pair that with success of the running game it's really hard to say that the offensive line group has been all that bad so we move on here to the defensive side of the ball here for Jacksonville. The secondary is just flat out bad. If the Jaguars want to run this man-to-man -man coverage, that means there needs to be at least some degree of success with one-on-one -on -one situations and coverage. That is not happening at all. They have gotten beat bad. They're getting beat bad early. No help at all from this secondary. The Jaguars in week one gave up 132 yards to Brandon Cooks. In week two, 159 yards to Cortland Sutton. In week three, they gave gave up 112 yards to the corpse of A.J. Green and 104 to Christian Kirk. Tyler Boyd the following week dropped 118 on him. And then, of course, Jamar Chase had a typical big play. And then last week, 
was the only game that didn't feature a 100-yard receiver against Jacksonville, but that was because Derrick Henry was just manhandling the whole team. So Miami should be primed for a big day, at least somebody in this receiver group, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's the best game so far for Jalen Waddell in his early career. Now, the linebacker group here for Jacksonville, you know, they're a pretty young group. And with that in mind, they have potential to grow. But for now, they're just too young and they're just getting exposed. Kalevon Chason has been torched uh, by the Jaguars fan base. Many are very disappointed in him. They keep referencing that trade they made where uh, they essentially traded Jalen Ramsey for him. He's kind of, it seems like, the Jakeem Grant of Jaguars Twitter for right now. Uh, linebacker uh, Miles Jack, who leads the team in tackles, won't travel to London with a back injury. Uh, Damian Wilson, former Chiefs linebacker, looks like he's shot out of a cannon at times when he's going to stop the run, but he just stands absolutely no chance in coverage. So kind of the duality of Damian Wilson there. Um, despite leading the Jaguars in sacks right now and a guy who just generally had a bunch of hype surrounding him at the beginning of his career, Josh Allen, uh, not the Bills quarterback, Josh Allen, he hasn't been impressing much either for right now. Per NFL's next-gen stats, Josh Allen has the slowest time Time to cross the line of scrimmage in all of the NFL. I know a ton of Jaguar fans are very disappointed that they got the, the bad Josh Allen out of the two, it seems like. Another important note here, the Jaguars defense has one turnover on the season. You heard that correctly. They have one turnover so far this season. Now, to get into my expectations for this game, the first one here is a lot of James Robinson. Something finally clicked here with Urban Meyer to use James Robinson, and it's working. Robinson looks fresh. He's just one of those powerful runners that gives Miami's undersized defenders a challenge to bring down. It almost seems guaranteed at this point that Robinson has a significant impact in this game. My next expectation here is that Tua has a solid game. Even with the injury that will likely be lingering, the Jaguars defense is terrible. They don't look motivated whatsoever and after a few big plays, it seems like they entirely just give up on the game. The Jaguars' inability to tackle and their tendency to leave guys open in the center of the field seems to put Tua in a good position to play within himself, but still look good. You know, you have the slants, you have the underneath routes, you have the ability to hit Gasicki in the seam, Gaskin underneath, bounce it to the outside. All of that should just be enough to move the chains and shouldn't require too much from Tua, who may still be dealing with that injury. My next expectation here is the Dolphins uh, begin a new turnover streak in this game. Last week, we saw the Dolphins' coveted turnover streak come to a sad end, but this week, they will likely have another number in that turnover column. This should be, to some degree, a get-right game for the Dolphins' defensive side of the ball. It will likely be a matter of whether the offense gets something going with Tua back at the helm. So, with that in mind, we'll move over here to my keys to the victory for this game. The first one here is don't let James Robinson absolutely dominate the game. I just said I imagine he's going to have an impact. I imagine there will be a ton of them, but you're going to have to limit that to some degree. He should get his in this game, but if he has a game with like something like over 100 150 total yards and multiple touchdowns, this game could easily go the way of the Jacksonville Jaguars. My next key to the victory here is that the offensive line must be decent again. Notice that I use the word decent here. That's all they have to do. As long as this group doesn't come out here looking like an absolute mess, the Dolphins offense should have a good chance to take advantage of a weak secondary that can't contain their man early on in routes. Just be decent. 
At the very least, that should be enough. My next key to the victory here is that the Dolphins' secondary must return to form. It seems likely the Dolphins' secondary, which was heralded as elite before, can bounce back in this game. But for whatever reason, whether it's you know a morale issue or if Howard's dealing with an injury in this game, this group cannot afford to let last week's abysmal performance carry over to a very weak Jacksonville Jaguars offense. Lawrence has extraordinary arm talent. I'm not going to deny that at all but the decision-making isn't entirely honed in yet there for Lawrence. Take advantage of some rookie mistakes and don't let this be an arrival game here for Trevor Lawrence. So guys, I would love to know what you guys think. If there's anything you feel like I left out, you can feel free to reach out to me on Twitter, as well as if you have any questions, topics, things you'd like for me to discuss on a future episode, that again is at ShadySteven and at via the source. Would appreciate any uh, follows there if you guys haven't followed already. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review on the Apple podcast app. It actually does in fact help a lot and I do appreciate when you guys do that as well. And just generally, if you guys want to reach out to me at, at any point, talk about anything dolphin related or it could be anything about uh, going on with your personal life, I'm fine with that too. I'm always open to a message if you guys want to reach out to somebody and just chat it up. But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. As always, it was a pleasure to be your host. Until next time, I'm Stephen Masso and this was Via the Source.